I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. And so that was Jeremiah's mission. And there is no excuse for his mission. Um, God took that excuse from him. And so you could be sitting there today and you could have all sorts of excuses as we normally do. Um, But we are called to be difference makers. Wherever God has placed you, and each and every person in this room has a different mission field, has a different calling, and is in a different place. And it's kind of been stirring in me uh, recently. Um, my boss, the superintendent of our school, we're sitting in ad- admin meetings, and they get pretty stressful. Uh, you know, the, the central office, things, things just get stressful. And he's cussing up a storm, and he stops, and he apologizes to me. And I thought, wow, my boss just apologized to me because of my faith, because of what I believe. And, he's, and I said, I appreciate that. And, and he said, well, I, I just, you know, I've noticed that half of our administrative team's Christians, and I've got I've to watch what I say. And I thought, that's pretty cool. And then... Um, just God has opened up a couple doors. He, we were going to, going to lunch, and, and he has a really small car, so there, he, we couldn't fit in his car. I have car seats. So we went in another administrator's car, and her Bible was on the front seat. He said, I'm not touching that thing. I'll catch on fire. And uh, so he, I actually picked it up and put it in the back seat, and uh, but it opened a door because I could explain to him that, you know, we're all sinners, <laughs> If, if that's the, you know, if being holy and righteous and without sin is the, uh, what gives us the right to hold the Bible, none of us could pick it up. And so it just opened up an opportunity. And it's those little things. But we're called to be difference makers. And, and we're called to, when, when the door is open, to speak. And so as we look at Jeremiah, and his life was hard. It wasn't popular what he was doing. The setting is before they were taken over by the Babylonians and the Chaldeans. And so you have this setting that he is telling them that God is going to send them into captivity. And God gives them a couple times to repent, to turn. Um, But throughout it, you will see that God says, you know, I am not going to allow you to live in this place. Um, We talked about in Ezekiel, he said, you know, you're serving and worshiping foreign gods um, in this land called your own. Now I'm going to send you to a foreign land to serve foreign gods. And he's teaching the Israelites a lesson. And um, Jeremiah takes this word, it's not easy. And that's where we are right now. The word of God is a rock of offense. It's offensive to people. And in this political correct world that we live in, it's extremely offensive. And so what happens is we have a hard word, church. We have a hard word. But we have to stick to that word that God has called us to preach and to be difference makers. We have to be that light. We have to be the Jeremiahs of this world. And so one of the first tests, um, Jeremiah is called to go to the temple and preach. So if you would turn to um, Jeremiah 7. We're going to start with verse 1. So the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, saying, Stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word, and say, Hear the word of the Lord, all you of Judah 
who enter into these gates to worship the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways and your doings, and I will cause you to dwell in this place. So he said, if you change what you're doing, I'm calling you, Israel, to change. I will allow you to dwell in this place, meaning the promised land. I will allow you to stay here. Do not trust in these lying words saying, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. Your faith isn't in the temple of the Lord. And they thought, well, we've got the temple here, so we've got God. And it's a skewed view because they weren't worshiping God and they weren't holding up his covenant. They weren't holding up their end of the deal. For if you thoroughly amend your ways and your doings, And if you thoroughly execute judgment between a man and his neighbor, if you do not oppress the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, and you do not shed innocent blood in this place or walk after the gods to your hurt, then I will cause you to dwell in this place, in the land that that I gave to your fathers forever and ever. Behold, you trust in the lying words that cannot profit. And so again, the word of the Lord says, If you change your ways, I will allow you to stay here. This is not an easy thing for Jeremiah to do. He's standing at the temple telling the people going in to worship, you need to change your ways. You need to redirect your course. And you know how people are. It's hard to change. It's hard to say, yeah, what I'm doing is not right. I am not living correctly. And so Jeremiah is given this hard word to preach, a hard word to go out and to tell the people. It wasn't easy. And what we have to do today in the world that we live in is not easy. It's not. It's a fight. It's a battle. To say that this word is what we believe, and we believe from cover to cover. That's what we believe It's hard because there's so many people out there who go, well, I want to pick this part, I want to pick this part, and they want to create their own gospel that fits their life. And we have to be the difference makers, church. Wherever we are, wherever you're called, your work, your home, your neighborhood, wherever you live, wherever God forces you to walk. It could be, you could be walking down the sidewalk. You have to be the difference maker in that area. Verse 8, Behold, you trust in the lying words that cannot profit. Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, burn incense to Baal, and walk after other gods whom you do not know, and then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, We're delivered to do all these abominations. Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of thieves in your eyes? Behold, I, even I, have seen it, says the Lord. And so what the the people of Israel were doing is they were living however they wanted to live and then going to church or going to the temple to worship, to to offer up their offerings. And God says, are are you just going to, you know, what has my house become? It's called after my name. That sounds very familiar, church. People come to church on Sunday. They raise their hands. They bow their knee. And then they go out on Monday and do whatever they want. Live however they want. We are called to be different. To be the different people in, in society. There should be a visible difference. When we go to church uh, on Sunday and go to work on Monday, there should be no change in our behavior and our attitudes 
and what we do. We're called to be different. We can't go out and live however we want and then come back and say, you know what? I'm covered by the blood. That grace, it abounds to me because I can just live however I want because Christ died. That doesn't give us freedom to live how we want. It doesn't. Being free from sin makes us a slave to righteousness, which means our mindset should be, how can I live a righteous life to glorify God? But go now to my place which was in Shiloh, where I set my name at the first, and see what I did to, to it because of the wickedness of my people Israel. And now, because you have done all these works, say, uh, says the Lord, and I spoke to you rising up early and speaking, but you did not hear. And I called, but you did not answer. Therefore, I will do to this house, which is called by my name, in which you trust, and to this place, which I gave to you and your fathers, and have, uh, as I have done to Shiloh. And, and so God's saying, because you've put your trust in this temple, not in me, I'm going to do the same thing that I did to my, uh, the, where I first built my temple in Shiloh. I'm going to lay it to waste. I'm going to destroy it. Because the people's faith was in the temple and not in God, not in the words of God. If their faith was in God, they would have followed his commands. They would have heard Jeremiah saying, amend your ways and I will allow you to dwell here. But all they heard was, their faith was, all their actions was putting their faith in the temple. We've got the temple, we're fine. And then they will go live how they wanted. Again, not an easy word for Jeremiah to preach. Again, he, he said in chapter one, I'm just young. What can I do? What can I say? And God said, I'll put the words in your mouth. Verse 15, and I will cast you out of my sight and cast out all your brethren, the whole prosperity, uh, posterity of Ephraim. Therefore, do not pray for this, uh, for this people, nor lift up a cry of prayer for them, nor make intercession to me, for I will not hear you. That's the point that God was at with this people. He said, don't even pray for them. I'm not listening. My prayers will not be heard. And so Jeremiah had to stand at the temple gate and deliver this word to religious people going into the temple to worship God after they had done whatever they wanted from Sunday to Friday. And on, on Saturday when they went in to worship in the temple, that's when they were uh, worshiping God. But the rest of the week they were doing whatever they wanted. Again, it's not an easy word to deliver. It's not the popular thing to do. Again, when you look at us, and you look at Christians, and you look at the world, the Bible's not popular. Standing on the foundations, the Christian principles right now, it's not the popular thing to do because it's not politically correct. But it's the right thing to do. If you go ahead to uh, chapter, chapter 12. This wears on Jeremiah as it wears on you. And I'm reminded of the scripture that says, continue on, fight the good fight. 
when Paul says that, it, it reminds me of that when, when you look at the life of Jeremiah because day in and day out, Jeremiah had to deliver the word of God, which was death and destruction, death and destruction, death and destruction. And that can wear you out. That's a hard word to preach. And Jeremiah gets to the point where he hates his enemies. He's ready for God just to wipe them out. Um, and so if you look at verse 12, or chapter 12, we're going to start with verse 1. It says, Righteous are you, O Lord. When I plead with you, you let me talk with you about your judgments. Why does the, wick, the way of the wicked prosper? Why are those, those happy who deal so treacherously? You have planted them, yes. They have taken root. They grow, yes. And they bear fruit. You are near in their mouth, but far from their minds. But you, O Lord, you know me, and you have seen me, and you have tested my heart toward you. Pull them out like, sleep, like sheep for the slaughter, and prepare them for the day of slaughter. And so he has seen the, the behavior of, uh, of the Israelites. He's seen how they, they've gone throughout the week. They've done whatever they wanted. They've come into the temple. He's delivered this hard word, time in, time out. And at this point, when we get to chapter 12, Jeremiah's like, God, just deliver them like sheep to the slaughter. Prepare them to be slaughtered. And this is, Jeremiah is at that point where he's like, just hurry up, God. I'm ready for this to be over. And we can get like that at times. It's like, hey, God, whatever your plan is, Hurry up. Like, this is hard on Christians. I want, it, I want it to be easy again. I want everyone to love us and, and to, to love us for being Christians in our beliefs. God has a plan. It's in his timing, not ours. Jeremiah wanted to bring the vengeance of God quickly because that would be easier for him. It would show that the words that he's preaching are true. Right? It was, it was his personal feeling like, God, hey, go ahead. Bring your vengeance on them. Slaughter them like sheep. <clears throat> we go on. How long will the land mourn and the herbs of every field wither? The beasts and the birds are consumed for the wickedness of those who dwell there. Because they said, he will not see our final end. If you have run, and Pastor preached on this a couple weeks ago. If you have run with the footmen and they have wearied you, then how can... Can you contend with horses? And if in the land of peace in which you trusted, they wearied you, then how will you do in the floodplain of the Jordan? For even your brothers and your houses of your fathers, even they have dwelt treacher, dealt treacherously with you. Yes, they have called a multitude after you. Do not believe them, even though they speak smooth words to you. And Jeremiah says, I have forsaken my house. I have left my heritage. I've given the dearly beloved of my soul into the hands of her enemies. Verse 8, my heritage to me is like a lion in the forest. It cries out against me, therefore I have hated it. See, that was the battle that he was fighting because even his, he was torn with his family. And he said, you know, my heritage is like a lion crying in the, the forest. I, it's it's coming against me because that's the battle. He could fall in line with the rest of his family and get the inheritance, get his heritage. He would be able to just follow the rest of his family and do what he wanted to do and what his family wanted to do. But he knew he had the word of God that he needed to preach. Even though he was mocked, 
Even though he was made fun of, he knew what he was called to do. And it's not easy. You know what you're called to do. And it's not easy. It's tough, church. 2016 is a lot tougher than 1991. 1990 when New Hope opened their doors. Things have changed. Jeremiah says, I have forsaken my house. In verse 7. He's forsaken his house. He's left his family because of the word of the Lord that has come to him. And I love what happens in chapter 13, verse 1. Thus says the Lord, uh, thus the Lord said to me, Go and get yourself a linen sash and put it around your waist and do not put it in water. So the, God, uh, the Lord actually gives Jeremiah instructions. So here Jeremiah in chapter 12 is saying, God, just do it already. Lead them like sheep to the slaughter. And then the Lord, in chapter 13, teaches Jeremiah a very, very valuable lesson. So I got a sash according to the word of the Lord and put it around my waist. And the word of the Lord came to me a second time saying, Take the sash that you acquired, which is around your waist, and arise and go to the Euphrates. And hide it there in a hole in the rock. And as I was reading this, I'm going, that's really weird. What is, what, what is God trying to do? And there are times where God tells us to do really weird things. And we're like, God, what, what is the purpose? Why do you want me to go to not talk to that person? And then you talk to that person, and you find out they're hurting, and they need prayer. And they could look from the distance like the hardest person in the world. And you talk to them, and they've got the softest soil ready for a seed to be planted. We have to be faithful. When God calls and tells us to do something like put on a linen sash and take it to the Euphrates and don't get it wet, he has purpose. He has meaning. He tells us to go talk to people. He's preparing. uh, He's prepared a way, and we have to believe that he has a specific calling for us. So I went to uh, and hid it by the Euphrates as the Lord commanded me. Now, it came to pass after many days. And I love that. After many days. So he hides this sash in a rock. And after many days, then the Lord says, go back and get it. God's teaching him patience. Chapter 12, he's very impatient. He's going, hey, God, lead them like sheep to the slaughter. Let's go get this over with. I want to see your vengeance. Chapter 13, God says, you know what? Hey, take this sash. I want you to hide it in a rock. And then many days later, God calls him to go back. See, God was teaching Jeremiah patience through this. And we have to learn patience, church. Because again, we want to go, hey, come on, God, take care of whatever's going on in the Middle East. Okay? Figure it out. We want to see Israel nation. We want to see, you know, and we want to see everything that we know will happen biblically. We want it all to happen right now. And as I was watching the Republican National Convention and Donald Trump's giving his speech and he's going, and Iran's in shambles and Iraq and Syria. And I just looked at that and I went, all those countries surround Israel. Those things are happening. They're taking place. Even mentioned Egypt being in shambles. And I'm going, oh my gosh, like you wake up one day and all of a sudden things are happening, right? But we have to remember that God has a plan. 
We can't just say, all right, God, let's put Jerusalem back up there, make it a nation, let's get to the end times, let's get this over with, because I don't want to walk through the fire. Church, again, when New Hope started, it's not as hard to be a Christian as it is in 2016. We have to walk through the fire. And we have to stand firm on our beliefs. And God has a plan, and it's in his timing, not ours. You know, that sash was hiding in the rock. And I've read some accounts that it was up to two years that it was hiding in this rock. I would be so bothered by the fact that that sash was hiding in a rock and I didn't know what God, the purpose was for. Here's the bottom line. We don't need to know. We just need to be obedient. Okay? That's not for us to know. God is all-knowing. He knows. He has purpose. We just have to fall in line with his purpose and believe. And that goes back to even with the, the Israelites. Their faith was in the temple. Our faith has to be in God. If God commands us, we go. And if you look at Jeremiah in chapter, uh, 13, verse 5, it says, So I went and hid it in the Euphrates as the Lord commanded. He didn't argue. He didn't ask why. He did what God had commanded him to do. Now it came to pass after many days that the Lord said to me, Arise and go to the Euphrates and take from there the sash, sash sorry, which I commanded you to hide there. Then I went to the Euphrates and, and dug, and I took the sash from the place where I had hidden it, and there was the sash ruined. It was profitable for nothing. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Thus says the Lord, In this manner I will ruin the pride of Judah and the great pride of Jerusalem. This evil people who refuse to hear my words, who follow the dictates of their hearts, and walk after other gods to serve them and worship them shall be just like the sash, which is profitable for nothing. And so God had a purpose for that sash. He had a purpose for him. It was to teach Jeremiah a lesson, to give a word to Jeremiah to say, hey, listen, this is the fate of Israel. This is the fate of Judah. This is what I plan to do. I plan to make them profitable for nothing. Now, it sounds like God is just, you know, what, what's wrong with this guy? Why is he so mad at them? Well, we know why he's so mad at them. They refuse to listen to him. They refuse to follow his commands. They worship other gods. They're sacrificing to Baal. They're living however they want and then coming into the temple and worshiping him as if they have no sin. And so he tells Jeremiah, I'm going to make them profitable for nothing. But what I love most about God is even through the whole book of Jeremiah, as he says, I'm going to remove you from this place. I'm going to send an army from the east. And he's essentially telling them the Babylonians are going to come. At one point he says, you know, you're getting kind of friendly with these guys, but they're going to take you over. Um, He's telling them what's going to happen But when you look in chapter 18, he gives them another opportunity to repent of their ways. That's the wonderful thing about God, is he he provides a way of escape for Judah and Israel throughout this entire book. He tells them the destruction that's coming, but also provides for them an escape. So if you will, turn to chapter uh, 18 with me. It's another thing 
to Jeremiah, uh, where God called him to do something, and you go, it's just strange. Why? What? Just tell him what you want him to know. But God uses these uh, images in these times to teach Jeremiah things, just like he does in our own life, where he uses situations and, and trials that we may go through to teach us to understand him and to rely more on him. Uh, chapter eight, 18, verse 1 says, The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was, making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel, and it seemed good to the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter? Saying the, uh, says the Lord, look at as the clay in the hands of the potter. So are you in my hand, O house of Israel. The instant I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom, to pluck up, to pull down, and to destroy it. If a nation against whom I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of disaster I have thought to bring upon it. So God says, if you turn from the evil, he gives them a way of escape. Even in the midst of all of these hard words that Jeremiah has to deliver to Israel, God provides a way of escape. He says, if you just turn from your evil, if you turn from the evil that's in your camp, I'll allow you to dwell here. I'll relent on the destruction that I'm about to bring. And, verse 9, In the instant I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to build and to plant it, if it does not, uh, if it does evil in my sight, so it does not obey my voice, then I will relent concerning the good in which I said I would benefit it. Now, therefore, speak to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, saying, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I am fashioning a disaster and devising a plan against you. Return now, Every one from his evil way, and make your ways and your doings good. And they said, That is hopeless. So we walk according to our own plans, and we will every one obey the dictates of his evil heart. So they said, We're not going to do that. That's hopeless. They chose their path, God gave them an opportunity to repent. I feel. That chapter 18 is a pretty good depiction of America. <clears throat> time and time again, Pastor Joe has stood up here and preached about destruction and how America is going down a bad road. Time and time again. And God has given America many times to repent. But in the last, I'll say 12 years, 15 years, I feel like what America has done is snub their nose to God and say, we'll follow our own ways. We'll follow our own dictates. Whatever everyone else, each individual for themselves, whatever they think's right, who are you to tell them that's wrong? That's the America we live in. That's the, the American church we live in. You get to pick and choose. If you don't like it, tear it out.
If you would turn to Jeremiah 20, please. We'll start with verse 7. Sometimes I feel like Jeremiah. You know, you, you, you tell people what you believe. They make fun of you. They mock you. Uh, you feel like you're never getting anywhere. Like you're just banging your head up against the wall. <clears throat> oh, Lord, you induced me, and I was persa- persuaded. You are stronger than I and have prevailed. I'm in derision daily. Everybody mocks me continually being mocked. For when I spoke, I cried out. I shouted violence and plunder because the word of the Lord was made in me and reproach and derision daily. So he said, I'm walking around going violence. Disaster. And people make fun of me every single day. They tell me I'm crazy. He said, I said it because the word of the Lord was in me. But what I love is what he says next. Um, In a minute. And then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in my heart like a burning fire shot up in my bones. Think about that. Jeremiah didn't want to speak the word of the Lord. He didn't want to. He said, I'm done. I'm not going to speak it anymore because every time I do, I get made fun of. But he said, I, I said I wasn't going to make mention of him anymore. I'm not going to speak in his na- uh, anymore for his name. But his word was in my heart like a burning fire. Is that how you feel, church? Is the word of the Lord like a burning fire in you, ready to explode? That's what we need. He didn't want to. He was to the point where he said, I don't, this is easier not to. I'm there. It's easier not to. It's been easier not to since about 2000, okay? It's been a lot easier just not to because you get ridiculed. You get made fun of. People ask you, well, what do you how do you feel about this? I don't want to talk about it. It's easier to say that. Turn away, right? You get called names. You get called a bigot. You get called a racist. You get called, whatever. They call you everything because of the beliefs that you have in the Bible. It's easier not to. But the word of God should be so passionate in our hearts that it's like fire shut up in our bones. It's about to explode. We just can't not tell someone. We have to. We, we just have to say something. Shut up in my bones. I was weary holding it back. Are you so tired because you just can't? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm tired. I, I try not to talk about God. I know people like them, like that. I want to be around them. They inspire me. I don't have that. I want that. I think we need that. And I think as we progress through 2017, 18, 19, 20, it's only going to get harder, church, in that we can't shy back. We can't say, "Eh, it's just easier not to say anything. We have to be like Jeremiah. Where the word is so passionate in us. Where it's like fire in our bones. And we get tired from holding it back. Like, oh, I can't speak now right now. It's not a good time. Oh, you know, do you feel like that? Like, I, I, just, I, just, I have to say something. That's where we need to be. That's the desire and the passion that we need. 
For I've heard many mocking, fear on every side. Report, they say, and we will report it. All my acquaintances watch for my stumbling, saying, perhaps he can be induced, and then we will prevail against him, and we will take our revenge on him. I feel like that too. People are waiting for us to screw up. They're just standing there waiting. For, I can't wait for that Christian to do something wrong so I can point it out to him. It's hard. It's not easy, church. It's not easy. I, I, I'm going to say it again. It's not easy. Because I'm, I'm sick of people telling me, well, it's just too hard. It is hard. It's been hard. It's going to get harder. It is worth it. We have to think about the end. God has a plan. And we're in the middle of his plan. We don't see his plan. We don't understand his ways. He's so much higher than us. He's so far beyond us. And who are we as the clay to say, Potter, make this cup already. Who are we? He has a plan. Yeah, it's hard. We can't tell him to hurry up. And, and I can almost guarantee it when we're telling him to hurry up, he's going to put a trial in our way to teach us patience. Because it's in his timing. Yeah, I want everything to be resolved in the Middle East. I want Israel to stand alone as a nation. But it's in God's timing, not Chase's. Things are lining up. It's clear to see that. But we have to understand that it's all in his timing. In his perfect timing. He has the end in mind. We get too focused on the now. And again, I'll say it. It's hard. But it's good. And it's going to be hard together. Because there's a bunch of people going through the same things. But the Lord is with me as a mighty one. Awesome one. Therefore, my persecutors will stumble and will not prevail. They will be greatly ashamed, for they will not prosper. Their everlasting confusion will never be forgotten. But, O Lord of hosts, you who test the righteous and see the mind and the heart, let me see your vengeance on them, for I have pleaded my cause before you. So he goes back to, he's like, God, please, just let me see your vengeance upon them. Do it now. Take care of them. I keep preaching death and destruction to them, and they're making fun of me. Just take out your vengeance. And what I love most about this is he's, he's almost venting to God. And when you turn to chapter 21, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. <laughs> God calls him out to do the same exact thing. And, and the first time I, I, I actually was listening to this on the Bible app, so I'm listening to it, and I'm, I'm, I'm going, okay, that's how I feel. Like, God, just take care of these people already. They're making fun of me. I'm sick of it. And then what happens in the next chapter? The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. It was back to his calling. That's where we're at, church. Yeah, we might get frustrated. Yeah, we might say, hey, God, pour down your vengeance. It's time. I'm ready. But God's going to come back and say, there's your mission. That's what you're called to do. That's the person you're called to talk to. And see, Jeremiah, he fell right in line with that. 
And as we were reading, we joked in our Bible study, he was almost schizophrenic because he goes back and forth. He's like, I don't want to do this. God, I'm doing it. Oh, I don't want to. I hate these people are bothering me. Just kill them already. And, but he knew that God had called him to do something. And his faith was in God. And that's, that's how I feel. There are times where I just want to go, man, it'd be a whole lot easier just not to say anything. That's how we lose, church. That's how we lose. I don't want to get to heaven and God say, I had this time for you to speak. I had this time for you to speak. I had this time for you to speak. This is just easier for you not to say anything. How sad will that be? How sad would that be if God had given us opportunities to speak life into people, but it was just easier for us not to say anything? 21 verse 2. So the word of the Lord comes to him. And he's just poured out this vengeance. You know, like, God, come on. Do it already. Verse 2. Please inquire of the Lord. And this is what uh, they're asking uh, of him. Please inquire of the Lord for us. For Nebuchadnezzar, king of, Bab- uh, of Babylon, makes war against us. Perhaps the Lord will deal with us according to all his wonderful works. That the king may go away from us. So it's interesting that the leaders in Israel at the time, they wanted to call upon the name of the Lord, and they came to Jeremiah in their time of need. That's what our enemies do to us, the people who make fun of us, until they have a need, until they have a problem that they can't fix. They want to come to us, hey, you know, and, and they, want, uh, they want us to pray for them. And we will, and we'll do it proudly, and we'll speak life into them. But I want you to see that this is normal behavior. It happened in 600 BC. It's going to happen now. It's normal human behavior. That in the midst of crisis, even those who don't rely on God will start to ask people who do rely on God for answers. They're going to search for answers in the people who do always rely on God. And you probably see this. In your life, anytime a tragedy comes to someone you work with, they're going to come to you or someone else that they know believes in God and puts their faith and their trust in God. And that's proof that you're a difference maker. That's where you know you're making a difference, that you're doing what God has called you to do. Jeremiah, at this point, as I'm reading, I'm going, hey, he's making a difference. He's... He's making an impact on those people's lives. When they had a problem with the king of Babylon coming to make war against them, they went to him. The person they made fun of, the person they mocked, the person that said, oh, death and destruction. And then when death and destruction comes towards them, who do they go to? And so I want you to see, church, that it's the same then as it is now. Human behavior is exactly the same. People will come to you. And our behavior has to be, this is what the Lord says. We have to give them the word of God. We have to give them what the, the word says. Not watered down. Not, well, you can pick and choose this part and this part. We've got to give them the word of God. <clears throat> Verse 4. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Behold, I will turn back the weapons of war that are in your hands 
in which you fight against the king of Babylon and the Chaldeans who besiege you outside the walls, and I will assemble them in the midst of this city. city. I myself will fight against you with, with an outstretched hand and with a strong arm, even in anger and fury and great wrath. And so God said, I'm not going to save you. I've given you time after time after time after time to repent of your ways. I've told you that you will stay here in this place, in this land of promise, if you turn from your evil ways. But now when the enemy's at the door, you want to turn back? And the word of the Lord says, I'm going to fight against you. I'm, I'm fighting against you. Church, we can't get to that point where God's fighting against us. We're called to be different, difference makers. We're called to be like Jeremiah. We're called to be a light in the midst of the darkness. And even when the darkness keeps getting darker because this brother or this sister has walked away or has fallen, we have to stand as the remnant and remain faithful and true. And our trust has to be in God and in God only. Can't be in this church. You know what? This church, the walls could fall down. They could close us up. They could pass laws that would shut Pastor Joe up. There are some that are close. They can. Your faith isn't in this place. It's not in these four walls. Faith isn't in Pastor Joe. It's not in Bruce coming and praying for you. It's not in the band. Your faith and your hope is in the Lord. It's in Christ Jesus. As uh, the booth begins to play music, I just want to remind you that even though it's hard, and even though the word of God is a rock of offense, we're called to be the light. And I'm not telling you to go out and offend people. I'm telling you that there are times when you have to tell people what you believe in, even if it's offensive. We have to love people. We have to be there for them when, yes, they've made fun of us and they're going through a hard time. But those are the times when you can look back and say, I'm making a difference. I'm making an impact. They're coming to me for spiritual guidance and direction. You may not see the full harvest, but we're called to plant seeds. We have to continue to plant those seeds wherever God calls us to, even when it gets darker and darker. So as the booth plays music, pray for those people that God has put in your life, those people that you're called uh, to be a light to, um, those people that you're called, even if it's a hard, tough conversation that you're called to, to talk to. I, I, God will put the words in your mouth. Um, there's nothing that we could say that could make anything better. It's God and the Holy Spirit that's going to guide you. So the altar's open.